Hey team, authority optional, leadership beyond the rule book. Today we got our first Q&A, which is not a caller. This is somebody who wrote in, asked us a question, and Josh and I really dove in. We took time, we went well over an hour. Hopefully you guys have the time, however long, however you observe your uh, your podcast, but we, we did this to make sure that you know that we care about your questions and we wanna help. So today's topic was leapfrogging your old boss and how to deal with a new dynamic with the same team when you've been promoted to be in charge of it. There was something else I was going to tell you. Is it the color of my eyes or your, uh, your throat clear is actually really similar to my dad's great. Not the cough one. Yeah, I know. It's funny. My dad's, my dad's was, Katie says, I sound like a goat. <laughs> I have heard that. <laughs> About me? <laughs> no. I heard you say that she's, she says you sound like a goat. Like when I was now, no, now I sound like an old goat. When I was telling you about your throat clearing and then you told me like, yeah, Katie says like, I sound like a goat. So I've, I've heard this. <laughs> Continue. Sorry. All yeah, right. That's fine. So we got a, uh, we have an audience Q and a today. Somebody wrote in and they have a, a very specific issue that has to do with middle management. They work for a bank and they recently just took over a branch. The deal is this. They were a personal banker. I was deciding whether or not I wanted to do the details of the industry, but I think it's, I think it's fine. And part of it's fine because Josh and I have extensive industry in extensive industry. Josh and I have, <laughs> I've worked in lots of industries. Yes, That's true. We have extensive experience in the banking industry. So her particular deal is that she was a personal banker and then got promoted to branch manager. If you're familiar with bank hierarchy at all, you know that she skipped a step or two, depending on the size of the bank in question. So she had, I would imagine, some version of an operations manager that should have been in line for the job. And she leapfrogged over this person, as I understand it, specifically because this person was not interested in being a branch manager. And from what I hear, they have they have sales goals around the operations manager position, but the operations manager does not have sales goals, which probably speaks to why they were not interested in becoming the branch manager, because they have lived a luxurious life of no sales goals for however long they've been an ops manager. And then they would have to step right back into having sales goals to take over the branch for a higher pay. I don't know if there's commission involved. I don't know some of those details. So that's the groundwork. That's where we're at. Interesting. She has uh, leapfrogged her previous boss. And now she's dealing with um, some of the things that we've talked about in our very first episodes. New dynamic, same team. There's lots of ways that you can take on a team. The most common one is what she's dealing with, which is new, same team, new dynamic. So she used to be peers with a bunch of these people. I don't know why I'm telling you all. You all get it. Well, and I I think it's actually really important in the background. I have more questions. Has she been a manager before? Hmm. Was this a Peter principal or is this somebody who had the experience and they were able to leapfrog and assume this position because they had done something similar elsewhere? I, that's a great question that I didn't ask. Um, and you know, when you guys send us in Q and a, we have a little bit of a limited 
time frame to, you know, to get really like if you were calling in, we'd be able to ask you these real time. So if you, I think that's our preferred, by the way, if you're if you're listening and you're interested in asking a question, uh, we're probably going to ask you to do an interview with us live. But, you know, yeah. some people don't want to do that. So. And this. Yeah, this this individual was not interested in doing an interview, which is fine. Like we'll we'll handle it. No matter what, we, yeah. we want you guys engaged. We want to help as much as we possibly can. No judgment whatsoever. It's just easier if we can like really get into the details if it's possible. Wasn't in this case. I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to speculate that uh, she has at least had some experience or she crushed the interview because I don't think if you're a regional bank manager, you reach down to two levels down and go, you're my person. I need you to come up. I don't think that, I don't think it goes like that. I think you, yeah. but I don't know. To truth be told, I don't know. So she is dealing with a couple of things, items of fallout, we'll say. And some of this is very normal for humans to deal with and to, to try. And some of it's a little less normal. Um, okay. So the, the things that you would expect is, you know, some punctuality issues. So they're they're showing up a little later. Yeah, that's a pet peeve of mine. So my hair just bristled. Yeah, but that's not the that's not the heavy one. That's the one that if I were in these shoes, that's what I would expect. Like, yeah, yeah okay, you're pushing the boundaries. You're seeing where you're seeing where the fence is. I get it. Um, and that's that's not a difficult conversation in the scheme of things. The more difficult one is encountering things like um, going to these folks and asking them to do things that she used to do in her previous role, and then flat out saying no. You can do it. Now, she's got a whole new set of responsibilities as a manager, as managing the entire branch. And these folks have decided, nope, you can still keep doing your old job. I'm not doing any of that stuff. Were they not doing that within their own role? If I mean, typically a personal banker, you'd have three or four people in a branch that would all be doing it within the scope of the job, not just one person who maybe was really good at it, doing it for everybody. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, I don't know about the workload. These are, this is, this is why it's better. If you guys, if you can call in because Josh is a little bit more of a Riddler than I am. We don't have some of those details, but to me the the pushback is, is much more about making a statement than it is about whether or not that's my job or whatever. Like you're, If your boss comes to ask you to do something, generally speaking, your answer should not be to tell them to fuck off. <laughs> Whoa. It's, and that's not what they said. I'm, okay. I'm exaggerating. <laughs> they, they just, they're saying no in their own way. And that to me is you're giving me the middle finger. Um, now, granted, if you've followed along up until now, you know that I'm not a dictator. It's not that I go to my people, ask for something to, do, to be done, and then just expect it to be done without question. I want all the questions. But I definitely would have a different reaction to somebody going, no, you can do it, than somebody going, oh, can you help me understand why this needs to be done? Why does it need to be me? You know, like, I'm fine with all those questions. Yeah. I'm not fine with you going, no, you can do it. Yeah, I would, I would start the questions right there and go, well, help me understand in the role that this falls into your scope. Why, why would you expect that I would continue to do that? Because I do have a new set of parameters. And... You know, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. We're going right back to episodes one through five. We need to we need to back up. Yeah. So that's um, that is something that I, uh, you know, I would always recommend anybody who's got a question about taking over a team. We we went over this in a lot of detail in episodes one through five. It's called Leadership Beginnings Parts One Through Five. It's a good start. 
But I do think there's a there's a real nice opportunity in this particular topic with this question to kind of dive in. How do you handle some of the pitfalls? Because parts one through five aren't really addressing the obstacles that can come up when you're taking over a team. Specifically, when you used to be on that team, that's that's a little different than if you were to come in and you get hired as a leader and then they go, okay, man, go build your team. That's a huge, hugely different ball of wax. That's Is actually, it? yeah, I think it's joyful. If, if somebody hires the leader first and then they tell that leader, you yeah. go hire your crew, yeah, it's hugely different than taking over the team you've been on for however many years. I, I disagree in one way which is having been the person who's come in and taken over a team with no experience at at a location like that's it, that'll sound familiar if you've been listening from the beginning because I came into working on Max's team never having taken a phone call for this particular bank and took over a team of 23 people which means I skipped three or four steps in in their potential mind's eye uh, and it's those people skills so it may take longer because they feel like they know you and they feel like there might be an element where they can manipulate things to their advantage, you are still going to come in, you're going to set standards, and you are going to ask. You are not going to necessarily tell. And if you're experienced at this, you're going to give them what you expect from them and ask them what they expect from you. Find the, the middle ground of that and draw the line in the sand, and then we have accountability. And uh, that's, that's where I would begin is that conversation maybe it needs to happen with those rougher folks in a in a one-on-one uh or to set some some ground rules or set some some basic expectations but i i honestly i wouldn't give them that advantage i would be like let's meet as a branch let's talk let's go back a step because you're you're disagreeing with me on something that i actually don't think you're truly disagreeing with me on what i was stating is there's a difference between taking over a team that you have been on versus building a team whole cloth. You get to choose all the people on your team. There's a huge difference in how it feels. If you're getting to choose the humans, there's definitely an advantage there. What we're not disagreeing on is the approach. I agree with you. The the approach is gonna be pretty similar almost no matter what, but it is a very different feeling, starting position. You're not gonna deal with a lot of the same stuff. If you're building a team, you're not gonna deal with the same stuff that you dealt with. That you're like, and you are you're introducing an even third situation, which is you came in from the outside taking over a pre-existing team. That's yet a third set of obstacles. At this point, a- at this point in my career, it would be build my own team. One, absolutely, come in unknown. Two, yep. But then I, I, I agree with what you're saying, and I think the common ground here is it just takes longer. It's the same method. It's yes. the same philosophy. It's just going to take more time because you're going to have to alter a a perception that's already there. So I think a little bit of insight and I think it's worth it. You know, you as my supervisor beforehand and then as a mentor, but as a friend, and we've had these conversations recently about this partnership. Um, Last week, we had a conversation uh, about our own dynamic and the fact that there's still a piece of me that sees you as as the leader because you were for five years. Yeah. And And you, in your own right, are like, don't hold back. Bring bring all of your full, authentic self. And I think a great leader does that regardless. Yeah. Um, but it's these similar conversations where you are now trying to change that perception from somebody from being my peer to, ah, who do you think you are? Like, I have the same experience that you do. 
or more. Yeah. Or in, the, in that instance of, you know, maybe somebody else even applied and didn't even get the interview and nobody knows it except the person sitting over there that's a personal banker. And you didn't just jump your boss. You jumped one or two other people that are in the branch that haven't shared with you that they even applied. Or maybe they did. And that's just not a question I asked. Yeah. That's there's a lot of dynamics in there, here. Yeah, there's a lot of um, what do I want to say? There, there's a lot of variables here that we're not aware of. The good news is the answers are mostly the same. They're going to be similar. And, and we'll try to accommodate some of the variables that we're not aware of, like, you know, whether or not everybody else in the branch applied for the job. That's an important distinction, because if they feel like they lost something they should have had, that's a variable that I have dealt with very specifically. I've taken over a team where at least two of the people applied for the same job and I beat them for it. And they were extremely extremely resentful about it. They were monsters about it because they didn't understand that I was more qualified or, or whatever. Like it, it's, it's very human, especially if you're, if you have competitive anywhere near your top five, it's going to feel like a loss and you, you have to account for that. That's a variable. Yeah. And, and at the risk of jumping ahead, I know for a fact, you know, I've, I've been the person who has applied and somebody else has gotten the position and been mature enough to simply go to the hiring manager and say, what pieces am I missing? Where are my gaps? What knowledge can I close? Because maybe I can't be this branch manager, but maybe I can be this other branch manager. And uh, just embracing the fact that the decision was made for a reason out of my control. How do I close my gaps? What's what's my growth point as opposed to gossip and bullshit and yana, yana, yana. And you can't, sadly count on people being as mature as you are if you lose out to a peer or a, another coworker for the same job you can't count on people for that it's that's evolved that's advanced that that it takes a lot of work to get to yourself to get yourself into that position to be able to do that or you just sort of have to naturally be a person who really sees the value in failures and mistakes and that and that's not that's not very normal it, not a lot of people are born that way uh, yeah i don't it's 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 a different way to look at your own self-interest um and moving past something when i, I use the word maturity it the <laughs> if if your initial reaction is well that's not fair that's probably why you didn't get the position yes as opposed to okay I'm not there yet. Yeah, what's, what's next? next? Yes. Yeah, Absol what's, it's absolutely. the same thing uh, in the context of what we would say if a mistake was made. Little, little different. It's not a mistake, but you're not the right person or the right fit at the right time. Well, what's the plan? What's the plan? This is, yeah. Okay, so we've we've built a good base here. Um, let's let's get into some. Here's potentially some directions to take to handle this scenario. This scenario. <laughs> Situation or scenario? Take your pick. I like to blend them both. Scenario okay. is that I like That's, I like scenario. <laughs> I'm curious how the transcription is going to come out. <laughs> for this, this is that just became a part of our vocabulary. Max, give me the scenario. Yep. And <laughs> now that we've given the transcription service a few times to practice, uh, now I wonder if it's actually come up with a way to do this. Okay, go AI, go. Okay, so here here we have a situation which has been laid out. We're going to call it leapfrogging, just for for ease of vocabulary. You are the, the person in this particular scenario, the person who you are now in charge of, who used to be your boss, did not apply. They were not interested in the role. So that, to me, that's a, that's a clue. That's a piece of something. Sure. Um, 
And now they are doing some things that are very natural and normal to humans, which is they're pushing boundaries to see where they are. Um, and they're doing some things that are not so natural and they're not alone. There's other people sort of pushing these boundaries. So we're, we're going to take this under the heading of uh, same team, new dynamic. And instead of singling anybody out, that, that's the purpose of this. Same team, new dynamic. And some of those people or maybe all of those people are finding out where the boundaries are. Listen, person, people, anybody who just got a new role, whether you fit into any one of those three scenarios we labeled earlier, took over a team, new, you know, team of previous existing and build a team, no matter what, humans are going to push boundaries. You've said this earlier in earlier podcasts. We're all five-year-olds and we, our inner child cannot be denied and five-year-olds want to know where the fence is. Yeah. My analogy for all of you listening would be there's a substitute teacher today. How, how are you going to push that boundary? How, we've, we've all done that. Yeah, yeah. You have to count on, I don't know, how many class clowns and, and the herd mentality. All it takes is one person to, to find that there are the boundaries are farther away than they thought and everybody else will join in the fun. One word of encouragement right up front as somebody who has harmony in their top five and has done this where I've allowed things to happen because I don't want to break things right up front. My experience tells me this deal with it immediately because the longer that you wait, the worse the issue will be and it will normalize. So do not wait even a week whatever you're going to do, do it immediately and set those expectations and set your own boundaries. And the faster you do it, the more, the more quickly you will actually get to an equilibrium and harmony as opposed to trying to wait and trying not to offend people and trying to be the good boss. And I've done all of those things. Do it now. I half agree with you. And this is, this is part of the benefit of you and I doing this show together is that we have different points of view and the audience guess to choose, which makes more sense for them. I am a plotter and schemer. <laughs> you're going to give them just enough rope to hang themselves? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. You're damn right. <laughs> so let's, let's take punctuality. Let's, let's get into, uh, <laughs> let's get into the specifics. I'm sorry. That's, That's okay. Uh, yeah. Don't apologize no, for laughing. Keep going. That's funny. <laughs> Don't ever apologize for laughing. It's funny. If it's funny. Let's take punctuality. I'm going to do a couple of things. One is I'm going to check their attitude about it. I'm going to see how they're handling it. Are they apologetic? Are they, is there reasons, excuses, nonsense? Is that stuff associated with it? Are they making an effort? Are they just showing up whenever they feel like showing up and I don't give a shit what you think about it. All of this goes into the stew. So let's take version one where they seem to have some contrition involved with their tardiness. I, that's, this is the part where I, that, where I half agree with you and I'll get to the half disagreement later. The half part where I agree with you is having a conversation with them. Hey, I noticed you've been late a couple times this week. What's going on? Not as in what the hell is wrong with you. Yeah. Is everything okay? Is everything okay? Is there something going on at home that I should be aware of? I'm here to take care of you. What's going on? If there's no contrition, if they're just showing up when they feel like it, and you can get a sense, and, and everybody, if you're paying attention, you can get a sense when people are just testing fences. And if somebody's just walking in when they fucking feel like it, that's different than if somebody's like, hey, sorry, my kid, sick, dog, bank, errands, whatever. Um, 
<laughs> stubbed my toe on the edge of the bed, whatever. Their excuse is that's different than somebody just walks in when they feel like walking in, sit down and get to work. Yeah, my favorite answer is, yeah, I jacked up setting my alarm and I'm late because I screwed up. Sorry. So here's step number one, regardless of which of those two scenarios they fit into. Ask questions. Yeah. Every get single curious. time. Let them know that every time you see it, you're there, you know. There's a way, and we're, this is where I'm going to jump ahead just a bit. There's a way to do this where you are, this is the part where I disagree with you, letting them know, I know what you're doing. Yeah. But that's a convers- That's an advanced conversation in that you want to get some time first. Step one, people are uh, violating punctuality rules. Yeah, I was going to say, is there a policy at this bank? Because at our bank, there was. There was. There almost always is, yeah. especially if you work for a bank. Uh, yeah. Just in most industries, especially if it's a big company, <laughs> there's rules about punctuality. As a matter of fact, if there were no rules about punctuality, no one would ever even be talking about it. This wouldn't be a topic. So there's rules. I'm going to assume there are rules. Step number one, talk to them every single time. They show up five minutes late. You're at their desk. Hey, what's going on? You okay? Express concern, real concern. Get whatever their reason are reasons are. And... So that's, that's just, like, like I said, that's just step one. Now, step and, two. And documented. And document. Thank you. Excellent ad. Step one B, document every single conversation about punctuality. You don't have to let them know that you're documenting, but you can let them know. Hey, no problem. I understand. I'm just going to take a note about this because, um, I mean, as you're aware, you used to be my leader or you used to be my coworker. So you're aware of the punctuality uh, policy. So I'm just, I'm going to make a note. No big deal. Don't worry about it. It's not like I'm tracking to get you in trouble or anything. I'm just going to take a note that we had a yeah, conversation you, about it. You can be late five or six times in a six month period before I have to put you on disciplinary. So that's just one. Don't yeah, worry about it. That's that we're, we're getting a little ahead, but yes, <laughs> that's we're we're plotting and scheming. This is where I disagree. Uh, the part I agree. Yes. You want to address it immediately but the way that you address it can be in a way that's not pointing them in the direction of i'm gonna get you in trouble yeah that was passive aggressive and i would like to apologize that was a little tongue-in-cheek no 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 it's it's fine so step one conversation every single time i'll stop repeating myself step two is at some point you're going to bring to their attention how often this is happening i've noticed for the last couple of weeks that you have been late a couple of times Every single week. Are you, what's going on? Like I've looking over the notes again, you, you don't have to tell them you're taking notes, but you can, you don't have to be, um, you know, you don't have to hide anything from them, but you can, it's, it's your choice. So I've noticed you've been late a, a bunch of times in the last couple of weeks. We've talked about it every time and the, you know, your reasons range from your kid's sick to you stubbed your toe to you had an errand to run and you didn't, you know, you miscalculated time. Um, is there, is there anything I can do to help you be on time for work every time? Because again, as we're both aware, there's a policy here. This is all just, if you've listened to the first five episodes, this is all just building a minefield. If necessary, you don't have to build the minefield, but it can be quite useful to show somebody I am now in charge. And while I want to take care of you. I am not to be fucked with. Yeah. Uh, in, in all seriousness, there is an earnestness to asking whether or not things are happening. Things are happening at home. 
there there is a need to know in that sense and and you should be absolutely sincere in the fact that you want to help and support and then also equally clear that there is a reasonable expectation from who writes our checks that we show up on time and that you're you know you can be honest and transparent with the fact that like I'm trying to straddle this line I care about you as a person but we also have to show up so you know how can I help and, yeah. and that's my favorite question of all as a leader, by the way. Absolute favorite question is how can I help? You've gotten to the point now where you've had, if you're a couple of weeks down the line, a couple of conversations with them. And hopefully if they're late more than once a week, you've had a handful of conversations with them. Yeah. You need to decide what your threshold is. That threshold may be decided for you based on the policy. If somebody's late X number of times, it equals this level of disciplinary action this extra number of times, the next level and so on, you might have that decision already made for you. If it's not, if it's, if you're free to kind of decide how you want to handle it, then you decide on a threshold. And by the way, introduce that as a policy to your employees. That's not usually the case, especially again, if you're working for a bank or a previously established corporation, they have the rules in place. Everybody's aware of the rules. All you're doing is reminding them, I know the rules. You know the rules. Is there any questions about the rules? I'm here on time. By the way, that's also an important distinction that I kind of skipped. If punctuality is important to you, are you being punctual? Are you showing up every time? Because if you are not, you have no business hassling people about punctuality. Lead by example. Completely, completely agree. Just in case there's any question about that, you don't get to be late and break other people's balls about being late. That's not how it works. Leaders have to show everybody how to do everything even if you don't technically have to, you should. It's yeah. just, it's just lead by example. It's and good communi- policy. Communication, you know, shooting a text message to your operations manager. Hey, I had a car problem today. I had to make some other arrangements. I'm going to be 15 minutes late. Don't worry about me. Open up, get going. I'll be right there. Great Communi- ad. Great communication goes both ways. Great ad about adding a level of communication. If you're going to be late, I would like a heads up. Whether that is you're calling my desk phone or if I have a work work cell phone, call my work cell phone, whatever, whatever makes sense. If you're going to be late because it's real, then, you know, let's let's get some communication. If you're going to be late. And by the way, this is a conversation you can have with them. I strongly recommend that you have this conversation behind closed doors mm-hmm. where you say, what's going on? Yeah. You didn't used to be late like this. Now, all of a sudden, I'm the branch manager and you're late all the time. What's going on? Is it me? This is your foray into, I know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's the nice way of doing it. It is is, all of this. I'm proud of you for doing it the nice way. Thank you. There is a way to be direct. And I have learned this over the years because I prefer to be direct. There is a way to be direct and still not be a hammer on a nail. This has taken a lot of years, a lot of skills practices with me. <laughs> but the way that I do it is it's a way of communicating. Let me let me let me do this. This is a whole other topic that we could really dive into. But this is something that I've taught over many, many years. And it has helped me. And that's why I've taught it. Have the intention. What your real intent is in your head the entire time. It will help you remain laser focused. It will guide you on this path that could start to get jagged 
and start taking hairpin turns. But if you have your intent very clearly in mind and you do not deviate from your intent, which we've talked about in a great deal, it's hard to go wrong if you're keeping your intent. So if your intention, let's just say in this example, is I I am going to let this person know I know what they're doing. And I I intend to acknowledge 100% that I know what they're doing. But I'm also going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So now we're talking about two intentions, but those are both still fine. So you have this conversation with this person and go, hey, what's up? Like I've, I've just noticed. And hopefully it doesn't freak you out to know that I've taken some notes yeah. about this. This is a, this may be a chicken walk, but I, it's, it's perfect timing for this. It's what we do. Uh, <laughs> so uh, looking at it through the lens of your values as a leader. So my core principles are, are going to be be a good human, always be creative, protect the tribe. So the very first thing is be a good human. Ask sincerely. Like we've, we've driven this home at this point. Pull them aside. Bring them in in your weekly one-on-one. Ask them. As far as creativity, that's out on this one. But, but when we talk about protecting the tribe, you must be fair to everyone. This can't be when this person is late and they're late a couple times a week and I'm talking to them regularly and Bobby was late once. I'm not even, you need to talk to Bobby and you need to be uh, proactive in, in setting that boundary and replace the word boundary. Yeah. I'm going to replace the word fair with consistent. Yes. Fair is for kids. Consistent is what you need to be. Yeah. Agree. Okay. Much better vocabulary yeah. in that in that instance. I'm, I'm bowing. And the, and the reason why is this. Being consistent with all employees with these expectations and, and boundaries that hopefully you had a meeting around. You all agreed on. You all set. You you all put in to the accountability hat that, yes, we will. We will be on time. And, and I would use this as an example. Uh, in the bank that we worked at, there was a 10 minute grace period. That 10 minute grace period went both directions. Not only did you have 10 minutes where you weren't really late, but you didn't get paid for that 10 minutes. You needed to be accurate with your time card. So I'd still be documenting the fact that, hey, you know, seven minutes late, etc. And I'm checking. And if you put in your time card that you came in at 8 a.m. and you actually came in at 8.09, I'm still going to be consistent and have a conversation and say, hey, it's okay to be a little bit behind, but you need to keep it, keep track of it when you walk through the door, whatever that clock says. And this may sound like micromanagement. You won't have to do this very long before they understand that you are paying attention. Important distinction. This is called groundwork. Yes. You're building a foundation. Again, that's just an example of how you can sort of turn something on its head and get somebody to see something in a different way. Now we, in this specific, Jesus. <laughs> now we scenario <laughs> Jesus now we in this situation might have salaried employees and extra minutes have no bearing and it doesn't affect their paycheck in any way um, so for those people that conversation is going to be quite a bit different now you're leveraging more on well I show up on time and that's a you know because I'm following the rules what's your story what's your excuse so We've talked about the first couple of steps. We've talked about laying the groundwork. We've talked about spinning it on its head so they can see things from a different point of view. There's a lot of different tools here that you get to pick from. The The next step at some point when it feels right to do it is you're going to sit them down and, and in no uncertain terms go, I know what you're doing. So 
let's just level with each other. You know, woman to woman, man to woman, woman to man, whatever. Human to human. Just level with me. Co-worker to co coworker to coworker. <laughs> Sorry for all the extra F-bombs on this one, but basically the question is, are you fucking with me? Are you kidding me right now? What's going on? There is a way to have this conversation. And I'll and I'll give you I'll give you an example of close to how I would actually do it. If I've laid the groundwork and done all the steps I just mentioned, by the third or fourth time I sit down with this person, I would say, what's really happening here? And if they went down the road, uh, if they didn't read the writing on the wall, if they're not looking at my face and seeing how transparent I'm being, if they decided to keep playing the role of a child, which is what they're doing, and went, well, there's all these things that have been happening to me, then you start pointing out the facts. It's weird, don't you think, that all these things weren't happening with the previous branch manager and all of a sudden your life is in complete tumult? Is it me? Am I the reason that your life has turned upside down? Or is it... Make sure you've laid the groundwork because that's a really egotistical question if you haven't laid the groundwork. That's the purpose of it. You, you, of course, you are not the reason that their life's upside down. It's because their life is not actually upside down. You're forcing them into a little bit of a corner. Am I the reason that your life is upside down? That question is ridiculous on purpose. It makes people react. It makes people go, (laughs) no, you're not the reason. Okay, so then what is it? If it's not me and your life is just completely upside, upside down, upside daisy. I was, that's where I was going. Upside daisy. <laughs> uh, Welcome I'm, to the mashup episode. <laughs> if, if I'm not the reason, what's the reason? You tell me because I'm, I'm outside your life. I have no idea. I don't control whether or not your kids get sick. I don't control whether, what errands you have to run and when. Can you ask the same question coming from a place of concern as opposed to, or, or are you beyond, you've, you're beyond the place of concern. Now you're like, what the hell? Concern was in the groundwork. Yeah. Concern was in the first three to five steps, depending on your comfort level with directness. Yeah. What I, all of everything up to now, up to this moment, everything up to now has been kindness, genuine concern how can i help if they're still engaging in the behavior that and we're talking about adults who know better we're not talking about people who are brand new to the company who have no idea what the policy is who have no idea they've not been paying attention to the clock we're not talking about those people we're talking about people who've been working for the company for definitely long enough and they're engaging in a behavior that they absolutely know is unproductive and they're doing it on purpose We've established that with the first handful of steps. This is the next stage. Yeah. And you're going to hit them with it right between the eyes, but you're still, and this is key, going to be very calm and controlled. At no point in any of this process do you lose your shit. Never. Never. Ever. That's not, that's never your role. Let me, thank you. Let me. Let me take a a slight aside here, a tangent. This is a huge principle for me. There is one human in my 20 years of leadership has ever made me raise my voice and I regretted every second of it because you lose all of your power when you lose control. Every single bit of it goes out the window. And by the way, I have been called a bitch. I have been called numerous names. Never lost my cool with those people. No, I lost my cool a little bit with a guy that I was engaging in an argument with and he kept raising his voice and he kept puffing up. And like I had a very 
masculine, overt, toxic masculinity response. To, and I, I caught myself in the middle. I, I raised my voice and I went, I stopped dead center at the sentence and went, you're not going to do this to me. You are not going to break my track record, even though it was already broken by then. I'd already raised my voice, but I caught it before I reached a crescendo. I caught it before it got out of control. I caught it before I matched him because he was super loud. He was practically yelling. He was just upset. He was having a very normal human emotion. I think his reaction was outsized. I'm not going to go down the path of like describing the whole thing because it's not important. The important thing is you must retain control of yourself. That is part of leadership. It is your responsibility. Whether you like it or not, welcome to the real world. You cannot lose your shit. We're chicken. We're chicken walking on this. So whether you are a representative on the phone doing customer service, or if you are a manager working with employees, or if you are a leader of leaders, there is nothing more beautiful than when somebody is utterly ticked off because in reality they probably know that it's their issue and not yours and they are trying to convince you or they are trying to get you to break or they are trying to get you to get angry and you are so calm and so cool for instance with a customer on the phone as as just a representative a frontline employee you know if I were in your shoes I can understand why you're so upset as I mentioned there's nothing else I can do a couple more things about this super important principle. You cannot lose your cool for a few reasons. Number one, it is your job to set the example. Mm-hmm. And you want them to be civil. Do you not? If you're listening to this and you love it when people scream at you, I don't really know what to tell you. That's I don't have anything for that. In the workplace, there is zero reason to be uncivil. We're not going to scrap. We're not going to take this outside. You have a job to do. I have a job to do. We're both getting paid ostensibly by somebody else. We just have to get along. That's that's what this thing is. So number two is – you know what? There doesn't need to be number two. Number one is great all by itself. Set the example because you want things to be civil. Don't ever lose your cool. And, and here's – you know what? There's a two. Here's the two. Be responsible with it. There's a difference between being cool and uh, another word for that is cold and distant. There's a difference between that and remaining calm. Mm-hmm. Big Agreed. difference. You can super play it cool and be and be ice and yeah. that you are going to drive that person insane. And you are, as the leader, responsible for that response. If you are being cold and distant and getting some sick joy out of watching them lose their mind, you're doing it wrong. Just like if you're not having any fun. (laughs) (laughs) So not only should you be calm, but you should also still be emotionally involved and engaged in the conversation. You're not distancing yourself from them. I I already know the answer to this question, but I love it when you express it. So what do you say to that person who has escalated, who is all but or even yelling in that moment where you recognize they're no longer listening? What are you going to say to them? My response is almost almost infallibly have I done something to anger you I I, I get curious here's another thing and getting and this curious is, this is another tangent that we could do for whole, a whole other show but I don't want to take you guys into a two-hour podcast we're gonna have to split this into two parts um, if I so get curious is the answer and I will always address somebody's emotion before before the thing continues if we're talking about punctuality and they're yelling at me the punctuality conversation has come to a dead halt 
Yeah. I'm no longer talking to you about your punctuality. I am now talking to you talking to you about your lack of professionalism. I'm now very curious why you are screaming, yelling, raising your voice. That is way, way more my concern now than the fact that you were six minutes late three and, times. And you can't ask those questions if you're yelling back. Correct. And you have no business asking those questions if you're yelling back. And using your emotional IQ to actually understand this individual that you should know, that you've gotten to know, that you've had some one-on-ones with, etc., to the point where you can supportively say, look, and I, I can see that this is for some reason upsetting to you, and you know, I'm not willing to have an escalated conversation. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and table this for now. I want you to reflect on it a little bit and help me understand you know, why you're so upset, why we're not able to talk at a professional level. And let's, let's go ahead and, and end and table this for now and give them a break. They may just not be good with their own emotions and need an emotional break. Um, and look at me with harmony kicking back in, in the middle of getting yelled at, but it can be really powerful if somebody just understands, um, not in the sense that if I get angry, I'm going to get off the hook but giving them a minute to breathe and say, ooh, I went too far. Another vocabulary change. Instead of saying, I'm not willing to allow this to escalate, you're the leader. It is time to set a boundary. I will not allow this to escalate. Setting a boundary is something that you do with children, with humans, your friends, your family. Hopefully, hopefully you're setting boundaries with everybody. If you are a leader, you are expected expected to have boundaries. If you do not have boundaries, you do not belong in a position in charge of other people. Yeah. If you don't have boundaries, you're going to have employees that just show up whenever they want. And that's the worst. That's the least of your problems. So I am not going to allow this to become an escalated conversation. If you cannot calm down and speak at a civil room tone, we'll take this up later. I'm going to go um, review this with HR or my regional or whoever my resource is to discuss what the next steps should be. If we need to have a third party in the room in order to have this conversation, we will. Um, If that's your wish, I can definitely make that arrangement. And if you continue to engage in this behavior, it won't even be up to you. We will have a third party because we're going to have this conversation. We're going to talk about why you're late or why you're pushing back work on me that you have no business pushing back on me. Your best bet right now is to take me up on my offer of finding out what's going on. Yeah. Why don't you just explore this with me, have a conversation. You, again, you cannot do this if you're losing your mind, if you are getting angry and getting caught up, on it, caught up in it and escalating and raising your voice. You can't do this. You have to stay calm because you have a mission. Your mission is to make their job as good as it can be, as easy as it can be, so that they can do yeah. their job, collect their paycheck, go home and enjoy their families. That's your job. A lot of this has felt negative because it's... It's a uh, tough it's, subject it's and a requires tough, it. It's a tough subject. Let's, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the absolute best case scenario. Where somebody does, and I, and we've both had it happen, where somebody breaks down, mm-hmm. where somebody actually gets vulnerable, and it's even more important for you to be calm and collected and supportive, but whether it's breaking down because something is going on at home and they reveal something to you that is difficult, or if they just simply are vulnerable enough to say, 
I didn't apply for that job. And in all honesty, I'm struggling with the fact that I feel like I'm qualified. I should have applied. I'm struggling a little bit with the fact that you're in the role because I probably could have been in that role if I just would have put my hat in the ring. And now how do I deal with that? Man, please honor that vulnerability. That that is a that is a step inside where the only thing that deserves is a big fat hug. Yeah. <laughs> and the and the follow-up question to that is, okay, now how do we get you into this position in the future? Yeah. So you missed it is a missed opportunity. I get it. And by the way, that's not even the first thing out of your mouth. The first thing out of your mouth is thank you yeah. so much for being courageous enough to opening up to me. I I respect you and I honor your vulnerability in that you can count on me to do everything in my power to help you get to the next stage or whatever else it is you want out of this company as long as it's within legal <laughs> rules <laughs> like, as long as it's not walking out of the vault with some money and heading to your car yeah uh, i will do everything in my power and it, like that be that person should immediately become an ally yeah. and you should see it that way if somebody actually has the balls to be vulnerable like that they could easily become your best friend, your right hand person, the the pillar on which you build your bulletproof team, that person is crazy valuable. No matter crazy how crazy valuable. No matter how good they are at the job, you can make them better at the job. This is something that I've said dozens of times. I can make you better at the job, but only if you want to. Yeah. That this is this is what I'm supposed to do as the leader. I'm supposed to help you get better at the job. So I can do that. Those are just skills. That's not that big a deal. Yeah. But you being willing to open up to me, it's huge and you should treat it as huge. But we're also wanting to cover in these kinds of Q&As all of the bases because we understand that humans are, there's billions of us and there's a lot of different ways that people handle things. Yeah. So we try to cover as much as we can inside of an hour. This is an interesting episode too. If it feels like we're talking in circles, it's because of the simple fact that we don't have the ability to get curious and ask questions. And so trying to cover all these different bases, uh, I hope that it comes across that first we're going to put it through the lens as you should of what are your values? What is your intent? What kind of accountability and expectations have you already met with and established with your team so that you can fulfill that promise? And one other thing I think is worth mentioning, if you have people who are feeling distant or who are gossiping in the background or who are the if they're not engaged, it is literally your job as a leader to be curious and to find out what they need to thrive so that you can engage them in a meaningful way where they can grow and they can become and fulfill. And hopefully in, in a perfect world, maybe you move out and they are this beautiful conversation, this vulnerability that they displayed, and you're setting a development plan. And there is no question from the regional manager standpoint, because when Max moves on and goes on to another position, I already have a leader in place who's filled those gaps, who knows we've had the conversations. I know exactly who I would like to hire pending an interview process to bring them into that role. That's what you want. You want people who are engaged and growing constantly. So last step, we've talked about the best case scenario. Now we're going to talk about worst case scenario. <laughs> I thought we already did that three different ways, but no. <laughs> worst case scenario is that all of these efforts, steps one through three or four, whatever I've said, I've lost track, are not working. 
They're still. I didn't make it. It's my fault. I didn't engage them properly. Is that, we nope. didn't get there. Nope. Because okay. it's your fault <laughs> as a leader until it's not. And if you have communicated everything that you possibly can in every way that you know how, and they're still engaging in the behavior, it is no longer your fault. That is a very conscious choice on their part. So we're going to go down that road last because it makes sense. Yeah. Last step is this is especially effective if you have whoever your leader, whoever they are, if you have their support. If you have their support, they're going to back your play. And the way that they will more back your play, I know that's poor syntax, is if you have documented everything and you can support everything you've done. So I'm going to do a summary at the end of this. But this last step is you go down whatever disciplinary action that is relevant to the company and the policy. If there is, a, 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 you know what, I'll use ours as an example. There was a certain amount of tardies that you were allowed before you were put on a, a verbal warning, which is we're going to have a conversation about it. Verbal is a misnomer. I'm still documenting it. Yeah. It's still going on paper. Yeah, we've already talked about it. In this case, I think it was five. So we already, had, times? Yeah. we already had four conversations about it. Now we're just having a conversation again, except I'm requiring a signature. Yeah. And not even like the verbal is, it, I don't even require a signature. It's you, you beyond the shadow of a doubt, know that this is being documented. Yeah. If you have not told them that you've been taking notes up until now, this is when you tell them I've been writing this all down. This is now the fifth time, whatever it is appropriate for your company, whatever their thresholds are, you're just going to, here's what you're communicating. You've taken this out of my hands. That's, that's what you're communicating in no uncertain terms. I tried my way, which was to ask you, is everything okay? Is there anything I can do to help? Is there something going on that I should know about? Is there communication that we could engage in that would help with this behavior? You've done everything your way. What you're communicating with this final step is they have proven to you that your way is ineffective. You now have to speak for the company. And that removes you from having to have any bad feelings about it. And you can communicate that. And this is, again, be calm. But if you're going to be, if you have, if you have had any inclination to be cold, this is the place to do it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to, I'm going to change my own vocabulary, not cold clinical. Yeah. I've, I've said this to you Yo, yeah. specifically. Yeah, there don't be cold. Don't be aloof. Still be supportive, but un, in no uncertain terms, calm and even, and you have taken this out of my hands. Clinical. Now here's the deal. You've been late this many times. I've had this many conversations with you about it. These have been your reasons. They're not acceptable to the company as far as what's, what's allowed to make you late. Nothing's allowed to make you late, by the way. Um, here's the document. Or, or like I said, step one for us was verbal. A couple more tardies later, every step of the way, you are going to tell them exactly what comes in the future should they choose to pursue this behavior. Yeah. You have been tardy five times. I had a conversation with you every single time. This is number six. I'm telling you in no uncertain terms, this continued behavior will lead you down a bad path. I hope there's something I can do for you. Again, everything I've offered you up until now is still on the table. 100%. Everything I've offered, wanting to know, being engaged, wanting you to get vulnerable, me being vulnerable with you, all that stuff is still on the table. You are, you are at any point allowed to get on the right path. Everything I've offered is still there. All right, we've gone past the verbal. They've gotten a couple more tardies. All right, I, I warned you at the verbal warning. 
at number six, I warned you that if you had two or three more tardies, whatever the number is for your company, that we would now be doing what we called an informal. You're, this is a document that they are actually asked to sign. They don't have to. It doesn't matter because you're going to take notes that state in no uncertain terms that it was delivered. Yeah. And then the next step after that for us was called a formal warning. And the next step after that is you're not here anymore. Yeah. We've freed up your future. But every step of the way, you're being exceedingly clear about the path that they are on and what the next steps are. So every step you're telling them, this is how many tardies you can have, you can you can uh, execute before you will be at the next step. And then we'll be the next time we have this conversation, having the next step conversation, you'll be signing a different document or you'll be refusing to sign a different document, which won't matter. Um, you will be presented with the next level. This is the worst case scenario. Somebody has decided that it is so important to them to give you the middle finger that they are willing to get themselves essentially fired. Yeah. And those are people, I hate to say it, they don't belong in your team. They don't belong in the company. Two, two pro tips here. Um, first one, uh, you know, the instance that we're talking about, we're, we're talking about a, a fairly large corporation. I mean, any bank in the United States is large enough, right? So human resources is typically going to come back and they're going to expect documentation. Do yourself a strong favor. Document your first conversation. It's not a big deal. There's you have a document file and it's nominal and you talked a couple of times and they corrected their behavior. That's nothing. But if you get to the point where you're like, oh, shoot, this person is going to need to go because they're they're the antithesis of the team player that I want to have. They're not following policy. They're not following process. You don't want to start documenting it at the informal. Um, you want to document it from the beginning. So just to give you an example, um, because if you've listened to any of the previous episodes where Max and I have discussed about the uh, the minefield and and about laying that out and always having that choice to move back, I would cost myself probably 60 to 90 days in most instances of trying to really do this and dig in and be curious and ask those questions. I once had a human resources officer ask me for a file for documentation for somebody and they were they were being aloof. They were like, this person's been here for like four or five years and you're talking about dismissing, etc. Like, what do you have laid out? I sent them 52, 52 pages of documentation over a six month period. And that was notes from other people coaching them, me coaching them, the trainings they had taken the documentation of all of the different things of informals, formals, etc. They were on a formal level. The next step was disciplinary action to dismiss. And uh, yeah, it was it was a really short jump from I'm sorry, you're going to need to provide me documentation to I don't even have time to to really get through all this. This is clearly very thorough. Please move ahead. We got permission. We had to do what we had to do. And this was very much uh, somebody who at one point they even expressed to somebody else. Yeah, I'm just, you know, they're they're not doing what they need to do. And, and they're saying that they're they're essentially not doing it because they don't want to. This goes back to earlier episodes. People can be in leadership for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And if you took over a team or an employee who used to work for a leader that didn't give a shit about the mm. policies and procedures and didn't enforce anything and let them run roughshod over the company policies, procedures, customers, whatever. That's, that's give old. Them, give them a chance to correct. Give them a chance. But document it and pay attention. Um, I mentioned two pro tips. Second pro tip, 
you're a small business owner. Maybe you only have three or four employees. Protect yourself by documenting your discussions and keeping a regular file, updating it probably three or four times a year, because should you be pulled into court and you are the one that can say, I documented all of our conversations about behavior for the expectations that are in my policies or my procedures for my small company, you will protect yourself. Merry Christmas. I, (laughs) I think you did this on accident, but I love it because it's so perfect. Pro tip number one, document. Pro tip number two, document. (laughs) (laughs) There's two ways to use documentation, right? One is to have the the bulk work that you need if you're dismissing somebody. It is a beautiful thing to go back through somebody's performance management or their performance um, plan for the year. And to be able to look at, look, you were struggling with this and we trained and you made these changes and you did this. I can't take a phone call. I can't engage with the customer for you. And you're reinforcing the fact that they adopted and they grew and they changed. And when you have those development plans we were talking about earlier and you're engaging employees and then you have the ability to go back in their performance eval at the end of the year and be like, you grew, you got better, you're you're growing into the leader that you want to be for the the job that I know that you would like to have in the future. These are very, very powerful recognition tools as well. Don't feel like documentation is to just pull out when you're getting somebody in trouble. Documentation can be you succeeded. You did a project. You did a plan. You created a new process that was more streamlined. Documentation is not negative. Documentation needs to be happening on a regular basis. Documentation is just tracking the story. Yeah. Whatever the story it is that they're telling. All right. Summary time. You're encountering a new dynamic with the same team. They're throwing up obstacles, whatever those obstacles may be. Step one, get engaged, ask questions, get curious, find out if there's anything you can do to help express real concern. Step two whether you're letting them know you're documenting or not, going back to step one, document, document, document. Step two, letting them know whether or not you're documenting. Let them know that it's, it's getting serious. Step two is really consistency. Letting them know, I'm going to do this every single time. Every single time I see you show up late, I'm, we're going to have a conversation. Every single time you tell me no to a project, I'm going to say, hey, can you step into my office for a second? Because I'm very curious. Step two is we're going to have a super in-depth conversation every single time this comes up. This step two is crucial because one of the things that you'll hear me say many, many, many times is that the best way to have a really great team is to leave them the hell alone. Uh, I can't leave you alone if you're not doing your job. And I understand that and you understand that and I need you to know that I will not leave you alone until you prove to me that you are capable Step three gets a little more serious. Now we're talking, we're having conversations like, listen, I've, I've tracked these conversations. Step three is if you have not told them you're documenting by now, now you're telling them you're documenting and you have been the entire time and you read them off. These are the reasons that you have provided me every single tardy that you have had or every single time you told me, no, you're not going to do a project. This is what your answer. Step three is where you establish. I am not to be fucked with. I am tracking everything. I've tracked your story and you're still doing it in a kind and concerned way. 
just because I will not allow you to push me around doesn't mean I don't care about you. Step three is where you really start forming the boundary. Step four is, well, now we've pushed past what I'm allowed to do. Step four is disciplinary action, or should you find this a little bit more towards your personality, letting them know that the next step is disciplinary action. So step four could either be disciplinary action or a warning that the next time we have this conversation, it will be disciplinary action. Step five, based on what your choice was with step four, it's either disciplinary action or the next step and so on. But at some point, somewhere in step four, step five, you are going to communicate to them that this has been removed from your hands. That's exactly what I was going to, the, the words that work in those instances, um, that vocabulary of you, you've, you've crossed a line where I can't follow you. I can't, I've been, you know, having these conversations about protection, protecting the tribe. You've, you've gone to a place where I can no longer protect you. You're walking off a cliff and I will not follow you. Yeah. You're putting, you're putting me in a position where if I try to protect you, I'm putting myself and my job and my family in jeopardy. You are at a place where I can no longer protect you. Do you understand that? Steps one through three involve vocabulary like, what can I do? Is there anything I can do to help? Are you okay? What's going on? Steps four and beyond involve, I will not allow. You're not saying, this is a company policy. I don't have any choice. No, no, no. Mm -mm. I will not allow. I am leading this team. It has been my, it has been placed on my shoulders. I am getting paid accordingly to take on this responsibility. I have my own family to take care of. You have your own family to take care of, which means I have my job to do. You have your job to do. I, as your leader, will not allow this behavior to continue. This is still your choice. This vocabulary, this is your choice, is rampant throughout steps one through however many you need to go through. But at some point in the four or five range, you need to decide this is no longer up to you. They are making a choice and you have to let them make their choice. And all you're going to do is file the paperwork. This is the difference between performance management and relationship management. In the beginning, it's relationship management. At some point, they will make a choice and they will either allow it to continue to be relationship management and they will heal. They will fix the behavior. You can go on about your business. Everything will be fine. Or they will make the choice for you and they will turn it into performance management. So coming full circle, sometimes the quickest way to actually get to harmony is by acting the first time something happens and actually addressing those expectations that you had in order to get to the point where you can get back to saying, if you're not having any fun, you're doing it wrong. Thank you.